This is 15 Minutes with the Doctor, Episode 7. Welcome to 15 Minutes with the Doctor, the 15 minute appointment where we share powerful stories from healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators so you can grow your idea of business. Uh huh. Just to say hello to your host, Dr. Vinay Shankar. Dr. Vinay Shankar. On this episode, we have co-founder and physiotherapist Paul from Jim Jam. It's a digital health platform where patients can access online physiotherapists via video, learn how to develop a remote consultation platform, how to address the clinical challenges of video consultations, and listen to Paul's thoughts on competition and disruptive technology in healthcare. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. Could you tell us, in a few words, how Jim Jam works? Well, Jim Jam is a digital health platform. It's um, patients can remotely access clinicians. In this instance, it's physiotherapists. So we have different ways of working it, but the original people going to the website and effectively what is a B2C offering, they could go to the website, they can pick a convenient appointment time, normally between 7 and 10 p.m., and they go in and they say, I'd like that particular appointment, and they book a slot, and then they're sent a link for this particular appointment time. And when that appointment time is near, five minutes before, they would click on that link, and then at the other end of this virtual waiting room is a physiotherapist. And they can have a consultation using video chat technology in real time. Okay. And you are a qualified physiotherapist yourself and you have your own practice. Why did you think something like Jim Jam was needed? I think there's a couple of reasons. There are clinical reasons and there's a business reason, I think. And I think, you know, it wouldn't be disingenuous to say that both didn't play a part in the thought process behind developing um, the, the platform and the company. The clinical reason is that we need to remove barriers to access clinicians at the appropriate time. You'll know with your own clinical background that we have, in terms of resources, they're a little bit squeezed. We've got an ageing population, but we don't have a population Mm -hmm. that's ageing healthily. So there's an increasing number of people trying to access a diminishing resource. And what that means in real terms is, you know, whether you work in the public sector or private sector, is that there's a wait. There's a wait to see clinicians. And you've probably done this yourself. Whenever you see a patient for the first time and you're taking a medical history and you think, oh my goodness, I don't know why that happened. I don't know why they were told this particular thing or I don't know why they didn't go down this particular path. And you're maybe seeing them, you know, 12 weeks after the original problem. And, you know, we know that the evidence tells us that early intervention is the key. We know that the evidence tells us that active rehabilitation is the key. And by dint of having a remote consultation, We're there to help. We're very detailed and very straightforward about what we do. But there's an implicit understanding that the patient has an active role in their own care. So by providing people the opportunity to get quick access to a physiotherapist, you Mm. believe that that would reduce the demand on the health service in the long run? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. And the evidence is there. We were interviewing for a new physio and one of the clinical questions we were asking the physios was, how do you assess, how do you manage an acute episode of low back pain? You know, somebody phones in on the Monday, we see them on the Wednesday, how do you manage that? And the waiting times in my part of the world are between 8 and 12 weeks. The physiotherapist that we were interviewing hadn't seen that sort of a clinical presentation. So the GP may may or may not have seen their GP, but they've waited a good 8 to 12 weeks to have that problem assessed. 
it's either an awful lot better, which is great, or perhaps an awful lot worse. Mm -hmm. And that's not so good because you have the problem, but then you have the response to the problem that's not been managed optimally. And the cost, you know, with your commissioner hat on, you can imagine that the costs involved for to society, in inverted commas, of somebody who's off sick for a protracted period of time, that's not great, but it's not great for the individual either. It's no, not great. The, the associated health cost, somebody being not at work or not feeling healthy, you know, think about the, the mental health side of things too and how closely they tie into physical health. That is very much best addressed quickly, as yes. quick as you possibly can. So the benefit is that they get to see a qualified physiotherapist early on, but <laughs> there is the issue that you can't clinically examine the patient on the video consultation. And I guess that's a limitation of all online yeah. services. How do you deal with that? Well, you can't touch them, but you can examine them, to be clear. Okay. I think so lots of clinical tests that we do as clinicians, if you think about all the studies that have been done about intra-rater reliability and inter-rater reliability, if you and I are in the same room and we're touching somebody's spine, we may disagree on what we're touching and at what level mm -hmm. we're touching. You know, this reliability of the hands-on component, it has value, of course, but you could argue that it's questionable. But a lot of what tests that we do is are movement related. And, you know, so is, do you have a restriction of movement? What makes it better? What makes it worse? Can you do this sort of test? In the peripheral joints, there's specific tests that you can do that's an active test that the patient does. If you suspect meniscal pathology, you can ask the patient to kneel down. If you suspect that the individual has got back and leg signs that may have a neural component, you can't do a straight leg raise, but you can ask them to do a slump. In the chair, you know, so you get them in, sitting in the chair with their neck flexed and you ask them to extend their knee. So that in itself is a neural mobility test. So you're replicating some clinical tests, but you're not in the same room as them and you're not touching them. So it's absolutely not the same, of course, as being in the same room. Of course it isn't, but there are distinct advantages to it. You're right, it's not, I hesitate to say it's not as good because that suggests that remote consultation may in some way be bad. But it's certainly as thorough, although you can't do the hands-on component. Yes, what we're clinically taught is look, feel, move. And yeah. you're kind of missing the feel aspect, but you can cover the two aspects of that by asking the patients to do certain movements. Yeah, and interestingly about look, feel, move, actually touching people is the last thing we tend to do clinically. And what by palpation, direct palpation, I mean, that's tender, therefore I touch that bit. There are other tests that you would facilitatory movement tests, but if you're doing a um, you want to help somebody to move or, you know, you're positioning them for a certain test, all that sort of stuff would effectively be hands-on. But actually just touching a sore part or a lump or something like that, that's the, the very last thing we do. What we have to be very, very, and this is one of the things that's extremely important from remote consultation, and in fact any consultation, is we need to make sure that well, it's safe. So to do that, mm. we have to be incredibly robust with the clinical governance side of things. So you have to be really very hot on red flag identification. And the majority of red flag identification comes during the subjective assessment, what the person is telling you, how their symptoms are behaving, what their clinical signs are. And this is why that we feel, and the people that work with us tend to be senior clinicians, we think that the communication side of things and the clinical knowledge base side of things really comes into play with remote consultation a little bit more so than perhaps face-to-face -face because you have to have that knowledge base that makes it extremely safe. And, you know, a lot of it is just giving the patient time to speak. Apparently, if you'll know the statistics around this, um, as a senior clinician, the temptation sometimes is, you know, somebody's telling you a story and a clinical history. And then within 20 seconds, you think, I know what's going on with this person. And you immediately you want to say, 
you know, almost jump in. But if you let the person tell their story, if you let the person explain what happened, explain the mechanism of the problem, explain how it's affecting them, they'll fill in all the gaps for you. Mm-hmm. And not only that, they'll feel as if they've been listened to. Um, yeah. And patients like that. It's a good, it's a positive thing. It's what's called the golden minute where you allow patient the time to speak and express their whole story, their whole narrative yeah. of what's been going on. I wanted to pick up on what you said about regulation there. Mm-hmm. Are such services regulated by health bodies? Well, we our physiotherapy, this is just an extension to physiotherapy as a kind of service delivery. All our physiotherapists, in terms of being regulated, we insist that all our physios are HCPC registered and CSP registered. Remote consultation is not a new thing. Using the telephone as a medium, it's been going on certainly in the physiotherapy world for more than 15 years. Mm -hmm. And it's a logical and frankly, you know, safer and more thorough progression to that, if that makes sense. And it's just another clinical skill. It's just another way of providing a clinical service. Again, going back to what I would consider our clinical skills to be, our physiotherapist used to be our core, you would see our core clinical skills, you know, the clues in the name, it's a physical therapy, it's what what is done to you. But as the evidence base changes, actually, if you want people to get better and stay better, we have to listen, we have to analyse, we have to educate, we have to manage expectation for individuals. And you can do that remotely very well. What our platform and remote consultation does is very specific. It's tailored to the individual. So sorry to interrupt. So you give them a video recording or some sort of exercises online that they can do themselves? Yeah, yeah. So we'll have an app. Our app is is, uh, with Apple at the moment. Um, So what the consultation after we arrive at a working diagnosis, and that's part of the clinical governance, we have to arrive at a working diagnosis for people that work with us. So we're healthcare providers and software providers. If you use our software, the clinical governance is up to you. For the people that work with us, we insist on certain parameters and certain specific pathways that must be followed. So if you have a working diagnosis, if not, you have to revert back to the GP and you can facilitate that referral by emailing your concerns to the patient and the patient takes a letter to the GP. But if we arrive at working diagnosis, for example, you know, low back pain, um, mechanical low back pain, we'll explain why we've arrived at that diagnosis, what the statistics, what they can expect day one, week one, month one. And with the active rehabilitation component, we'll describe the need for active rehabilitation, but also the specifics of the active rehabilitation based on their particular presentation. And this is reinforced. We use HD videos. So HD videos of somebody doing that particular exercise. So there's this feedback. There's this specific nudge. Because one of the problems that we have, of course, with mechanical problems is patient compliance, you know, Mm. um, trying to make sure that patients are doing some of the good stuff all of the time. And nowadays we've got the tools that you can not only provide this forum and this platform that can access this information, but you can actually nudge them (laughs) to access this. You can prompt them. And that's better for compliance levels and it's actually easier for the patient to understand. I wanted to move on to the price. You've chosen 19.99. Why did you come to this price level? It was a combination of things. It's basically the premise of remote consultation and physiotherapy is still fairly disruptive. I don't think there's many people, even as you and I are talking, waking up with a low back pain tomorrow morning thinking, I'm going to consult remotely, you know, via mm, digital yeah. health platform as, you know, as option number one. So because it's disruptive, you have to make it appealing and appealing being cost effective. This is our baseline offering for our B2C. If people just, Joe Public comes along and wants to, to consult with a physiotherapist um, via video chat, the majority of the fee goes to the physiotherapist. Okay. Because what we have to do is we have to, 
protect quality. We have to preserve quality. So what it means is that you have to pay people and pay people a decent amount. So it's what we have then is locum equivalent pay. Okay. And you said you pay most of that money to the physiotherapists. Are you able to give a rough percentage-wise in terms of figures? Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. We pay about 80% to the physio. Okay, and then the rest of that is to obviously run and um, use the platform. That's right. Obviously, we build all the stuff at the front end and, you you know, we've got our technical director and his group of techies writing code and for the first nine months yes. and all that sort of stuff. But what we also do is there's maintenance, there's upkeep. We keep the consultation itself. One of the advantages of consultation for patients and for clinicians is protection because the patient themselves can access the whole of the consultation. It's saved. Okay, it's, so recorded. it's recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So they can maybe say, what did the physio say about that? How did they explain what's going on in my back or whatever it may be? And they can then revert back to that. But the flip side of that is that there's no dubiety about him from the clinical perspective. And, you know, it's like in these days of litigation and uh, medical legal concerns, we know exactly what happened. So I take the physiotherapist, whoever's using the platform, takes electronic notes in real time and they're accessible. They're very easy to store, very small amount of data. But the video um, itself, the consultation itself, costs money to store. So we have an upkeep for that. And also we're a business. What is more profitable for you currently? You, you said you've got B2C, so that's single customers such as myself coming onto your website, but you're also selling to big companies and occupational health. Which one yeah. in your experience so far has been more profit generating? Occupational health. The NHS, we're tendering for NHS work too. So you're with your commissioner hat on, if you can imagine that, you know, whether you and I discussing now whether we, you know, remote consultation is a good or a bad idea, mm. frankly, it doesn't matter. What governs commissioning? Is it cost effective and is it clinically effective? Yeah. You know, that's the side of things. And that's the same with an occupational health. You've got organisations who've got a captive audience of patient, people and staff um, that need to access services like this. It's not in their interests to make accessing that service a very difficult process. You mentioned being a disruptive service. I think you're one of the first in the UK to offer such services. How do you plan to deal with competition? Because I presume there's going to be more or similar services coming up in the near future. Yeah, I think one of the things about competition is you can, especially for disruptive technology, you could almost look upon it as just proof of concept. I don't think there's anything wrong with competition because hopefully it preserves standards. And that's what we, how we respond to competition is just to be better and to make these iterations to the platform and how we provide services and how we liaise with the people that we work with. Um, I think and I hope that we do have some competition. It's already exists, you'll know about in, um, as a GP, you know, that Babylon Health guys, Push Doctor guys, the on- mm-hmm. online doctor services, they've been on, that must be, you know, 18 months, two that's years now. That's some time, yes. Yeah, that's very much into the public consciousness. And I think there's, there's space for everyone. As long as what you do, you do well, mm. you know. And that's the thing about with clinical services, you'll never die in the, the standard of the service that you provide. And that's extremely important. And how we'd respond to any competition would just be the same as we always have. And that makes sure we focus on quality. And it's the quality of what we do, but it's this adherence to best practice. The simple fact is we should go where the evidence takes us. And it's refreshing to hear your thoughts on competition of how it encourages you to be better and to provide yeah. a better service. In yeah. terms of Jim Jam, what has been your biggest challenge so far? Physiotherapy, the clues in the name, it's a physical therapy. It's what we do to you. By definition, with a remote consultation, we're not in the same room. We're not doing anything to you. So it's that kind of disconnect. That It's almost this thing, well, how can that be? How can you be a physiotherapist? How can physiotherapy be successful without being in the same room? 
that's the most common question that we get asked and it's probably the biggest challenge that we've had to overcome by saying, well, look, you can touch patients, you can provide manual therapies, you can attach them to a machine that passes a current through them and does I don't know what. But there are other things that you can do that mm-hmm. will really help the individual who you're consulting with. And this is where the evidence takes us. It has to be about active rehabilitation, this internal locus of control, because we, we don't, clinicians, we don't fix anyone. Let's be very clear. There's nothing I could do to you that would make you impervious to external force um, or that it could change you in any meaningful way in terms of you know, symptomatic findings or even mechanical findings for the rest of today, never mind the rest of this week. Mm -hmm. So that side of things, we have to go where the evidence takes us and be honest about what we're trying to do with patients. And what I'd like to do, it goes back to where I think healthcare has to go, actually, is that patients take an active role in their own care so that we're focusing a lot on, you know, (laughs) people at some stage shifting from this reactive model to I'm broken, could you fix me? to this more collaborative side of things where this, this shift toward wellness, which would be, you know, ideal in healthcare. And it's something it's where we have to go. There's enormous challenges ahead within healthcare, massive challenges. Well, there's the cost challenges. And like you mentioned before, the aging population. And yeah. importantly, you mentioned self-empowerment before. And that's yeah. quite important, not in terms of having something reactive, but also in terms of prevention of health issues too. Where can people learn more about Gym Jam? So our website is www.jimj.am. Excellent. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your insights. Yeah, no worries. A pleasure. Nice to speak to you. Thanks for listening to 15 Minutes with the Doctor at net slash 15 Minutes with the Doctor. Uh-huh. Doctor Vinay Shankar. Uh-huh, Dr. Vinay Shankar That's what's up